Hi, my name is Elliot Isaac, and I feel grateful for imposter syndrome. And it's just these voices in my head that tell me I am better off giving up or giving in instead of letting people down. And now these forces pull me in and make me stay in bed instead of getting up and convincing me that the morning's not my friend. And I know that I'm not the only one who's got these voices that they try to hide away. What's going on, all my imposters? Thank you very much for coming out to the Imposter Syndrome Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Matt Dell. This is episode number 10. And I think the first episode in which I announced my name good times on the show today is a longtime friend longtime student of mine it's a guitar player from the band cj wiley guitar player from the band cam kahin on the show today elliot isaac so excited to talk to him today about imposter syndrome and how he's been dealing with it himself he just got back from a european tour which is super exciting not a lot of people get to experience that that side uh, of of being a touring musician. A lot of times you're touring ba- basically your continent. It's very expensive to try to go to a different continent and try to tour. And uh, he had the opportunity to do that, which is amazing. Now for episode 10, how, how do I feel about imposter syndrome in episode number 10? I guess this is the journey that I'm on to try to figure out how I feel about imposter syndrome. And it seems to be every single episode, how I feel about it changes. And I guess that's just something I'm going to have to get used to that. It just, it just constantly changes, I guess. Uh, How I felt about it over the last couple interviews, over the last maybe two interviews, it's been a very strange experience because I've already sent off the edit to the first episode. Nothing's been posted yet at this point either. Uh, I've sent the edit out to the first episode for the person to listen to it. And I got a lot of positive feedback, which was great, which I'm so happy about. But then all of a sudden it starts putting the pressure on. And I have found myself a little bit being in interviews, expecting myself to be a certain way, to to try to be engaging or informative or funny or something. When in reality, like, again, the whole point of this podcast was for, for no reason. It was for nothing. It was just to surround myself with people who are all facing the same struggles day to day as we all are. And over the last couple interviews, I've kind of felt like I'm trying to get onto a moving carousel. And uh, I just can't seem to find that right timing to get on it without getting uppercutted by a, a horse passing by that's going up and down and wow, maps me right in the face. Um, yeah, it, just, it kind of feels like trying to jump onto a moving carousel and I, I, I can't seem to get on it. And it, it takes me uh, a, a bit of time to warm up to the to the concept, which is not that's not like me. That's not who I am. And I don't think it's going to come through in the interviews like I'm going to edit them so that way that it doesn't feel that way. Um, and it might just be me again. This might just be my imposter syndrome talking. That just it's beginning to develop kind of an expectation that it that ugh, I'm trying to set for myself when in reality there's no need for that. 
There's no need for that expectation at all. Um, so I think that's something that I'm interested to see how that pans out. Uh, I'm going to see if I can try to squash that and just go into these and not care, not have an expectation, not expect certain things, not expect this to go as, as big as it could or do whatever it's supposed to. I don't know. I think I just need to kind of reset myself and remind myself why I started this 10 episodes ago because I'm stuck in this rut of imposter syndrome and I just want to surround myself with those like-minded people who are struggling with the same things that, that I do, that we all do, right? And, and shine a light on that side of mental health because I think it's not one we talk enough about and I don't think... I don't think people have talked about the ups and downs of that imposter syndrome that we can feel. So this to me might sometimes feel like, I guess, ramblings uh, 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 of an old person or, uh, or whatever. Um, but that's, uh, that's, I guess what this is. It's chronologically, it's chronologicing, chronologicing. <laughs> that's not a word. Uh, it is basically journaling <laughs> my process through imposter syndrome and uh i guess i just have to ride those waves and just remind myself don't try to do tricks on the waves don't try to jump up in the air don't try to do anything crazy just just be on them just ride them and when they come to uh, a slowdown great wait for the next wave ride the next wave that's what i have to remind myself to do uh, uh on a daily basis i think and that's what i'm gonna do but you know what else i'm gonna do not waste any more time because i can't on today's show, such a sweet person, such an incredibly intelligent person, uh, guitarist, longtime friend, Elliot Isaac. Elliot, thank you so much for being on the show today. Okay, so what makes you feel grateful for imposter syndrome? Um, I think because it helps me to an extent to keep myself in check because I think that the alternative is to just think that you are, you know, like the polar opposite of it really would just be to think that you're perfect when no one is, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and, um, it, especially in like many things in life with like, you know, creativity, the goal is to keep going and yeah. to constantly be evolving and so we actually want at least a little bit of ourselves to sort of uh, be nagging at us that we are not done or not complete yet. Yeah. And and haven't arrived yet. Yeah. Uh, what? So what's new, man? Like you're, you're back from Europe. Yeah. Uh, I literally just got distracted by the fly, but I'll, I'll table it. Um, I am back from Europe. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, what was it like? How was it? It was honestly like weird. Like it was really good, but like, it was very sort of like surreal. Um, mm. especially because like, you know, um, in large part, the actual like shows were not necessarily, that different from the shows that we've played in Canada. Mm. So it's like this weird thing where it's almost like um the 
time when you're on stage is the time when you least know that you're in a different country. So like, yeah. like you're on stage playing and you're doing like the operable sort of like thing, like this is what I am doing. I'm playing. I've done this before. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that distinguishes between the cities is like, you know, just like being uh, in a different shape shaped room, it might sound a little different depending on like you know the size or the like material that the room is made out of. Like, is it wooden or concrete or whatever for the floor? Mm-hmm. But then it's like other than that, like you don't know like you're in Paris until you like get off stage and like go outside. You know what I mean? So it's like ironic how the very thing that you covet doing in a new space is the moment when you are least um, able to recognize that you are in fact in that space like it could be saskatoon or it could be like peterborough or whatever not that i don't like playing in those places either but like sure. there's like a little bit more hype around doing something international obviously like it makes sense and like it was fun but it's like this weird there's a cognitive dissonance as well mm-hmm. you know what I mean? this is something that uh, i've heard a lot of music musicians describe and I-, I felt it a number of times myself where <sighs> music is such an exciting thing to do it's it's a it's amazing it's a it's a privilege massive great opportunity but then at times it can be mundane because it just feels like the same thing day in and day out and it just looked like you're inside another club and it kind of looks the same as the one you played last night or last week or whatever and it can kind of start to feel like that after a while um but at the same time like there is something about the fact that it's like you think like oh it's gonna be so different over there and then you get there and you're like this is this is no like we're all the same we're all just you know, connected by this sound, by this music, whatever else. And it's just a, a good time all around. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think like there's a big aspect too with tour where it's like hurry up so you can wait. Um, you know what I mean? And and so like that's like a big thing. Like uh the last day we had to fly from London to Amsterdam and then we played like we traveled and then like that was day of show and we played in Amsterdam. And then, like, basically the way that it went down, the way that we were routed was that we had to fly from Gatwick Airport, which is sort of like the auxiliary airport of London. It's, like, a little bit further out of town than Heathrow and was on the opposite side of the city from where we were staying. And we had this early morning flight. So we actually woke up at 2 in the morning and drove, like, 90 minutes to Gatwick. Mm -hmm. Or or were driven, I should say, because we didn't have a van at that time because we were about to fly. Sure flew and then we got to the airport hotel and it was like five hours before check-in and it's like all right so like we just hauled ass to get here <laughs> to, to sit and then it's like it's like yeah it's like all right sick like last day of tour and we're just at this airport hotel in amsterdam like a world-class city we can't even leave that hotel yet to mm-hmm. let alone go to the venue even just like go check out something so the fly just made an appearance there uh <laughs> so they'll be able to see that you can't erase the, the fly even if you can erase my explanation of it oh there it was again uh but yeah so it's like this this weird thing and yeah like our like, bass player uh like made the bold move to not go to sleep that night because he was just like whatever like full send and so he slept like on the ground outside of the hotel because we were all like oh we're gonna take a nap so naive of course to the fact that like check-in isn't usually until the afternoon of course like we know that because we've been traveling in various circumstances so (laughs) but it was like oh yeah like wait like why did we think we could take a nap so i slept like on top of a flight case and our (laughs) bassist just slept on the ground with his head on his backpack and then when he stood up he 
uh, we realized that we were in a smoking area and his <laughs> whole body was covered in ash. Like he was wearing like, all black and it was just like, gray with soot. And he oh was like, God. all right, whatever, like we're going home tomorrow. Like, I don't even think he changed. Like, I think he played that <laughs> show in those clothes. Like, it was just like, whatever. Like, like we were so over it at that point. It's like, get me out of here. Oh, my God. It's it's such a one of the teachers at the school that I was working at before went on tour for the first time with a big artist. And it was his first big tour. And I he was he was excited for it. And he's like, you know, what can I expect? Like, how's it going to be? And I was like, it's going to be boring <laughs> for like 99 percent of it you're gonna get to all these places and you're gonna be like oh, i'm gonna go do and look at this and go here you don't have time for that but it, you don't have enough time to do anything but at the same time you then don't do anything sitting there like it's just it's this weird thing yeah 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 no totally i was actually like pretty proud of us for like taking some initiative so like for example like when we were in paris we were there for like 20 hours like less mm-hmm. than a whole day Mm-hmm. um and i i've been there before like on a trip with my family um so i kind of like you know i've seen like the eiffel tower and like done all the sort of like things that one would want to do to do sure. if you go to paris right like those are iconic things and it's it's a privilege to be able to see those things mm-hmm. um like you know the cathedrals and all the rest of it and the the river and like walking the seine whatever and it was like the some of the people that we were with had never been and we like sound checked and we were like okay we have like three hours and we have to do like one thing you know what i mean because we're like they were kind of like we're not coming to coming to paris and not seeing the eiffel tower right yeah. like, so but what we did was we went to Montmartre, which is like this big like mountain that would kind of be like i don't know like the equivalent of like mont royale and like montreal or something like it's a sure it's like a huge hill essentially that's like and you can see the whole city from it so we yeah. went up there and then sort of saw like all the sites from that one place but the i guess the point being is like i was happy because we kind of made the most of that situation because we were yeah. all a bit sort of like oh darn like wish we had an off day here or whatever but you, you take what you're given yeah you know what i mean um and uh, obviously we are not uh ones to complain about oh woe is me i'm in paris and i can't <laughs> do exactly what i want like what that's a- why I, that's why i felt touring through the states at one time and I remember when I was in, where was I? I was in California and uh, everyone's like, Oh, did you see the golden gate bridge? I was like, yeah, well, I drove past it. I was like, there it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're going on to the next place. So we have to be there in 28 hours and we have to play in 29 hours. <laughs> like it's, it's ridiculous in that, in that sense, but that's cool, man. There's that's such an experience and, and one that not many get to really have that option to live out. Yeah totally no i mean like it's uh nothing but gratitude yeah regard and it was very fulfilling um and i'm still processing it you know i've only been back for like nine days so it's the kind of thing where i'm like you know i'm 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 only now in this time zone you know so it's like yeah that's that, that's proof in and of itself yeah that brings us into into this so as you know this is called imposter syndrome this thing We've got uh, our three prompts and then it's just a conversation around it. So it's the first time you felt it, the most recent time and what you do to deal with it. Uh, Can you recall a time in your life, the first time that you like recognized it? In an artistic context or just generally? Either or. Okay. Can you remember the very first time you felt it at all, ever? Yeah, I think it was actually like younger in like a sports context. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like, so when I was younger, I wanted to play hockey, and mm-hmm. uh, I guess like all my friends played hockey from a very young age, like ice hockey, but I only played road hockey because my folks didn't play ice hockey themselves. And so I didn't get like put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, I ended up playing road hockey with all these older kids on my street and they put me in net. Like they made me play goalie. Cause they're like, if you want to play with us, you have to play goalie. Cause no one wanted to play goalie. Yeah. Uh, and so then when I started playing ice hockey, I was kind of like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, like I'm going to be like, I'm such a good goalie, all this stuff. But like, <laughs> obviously like, you know, I wasn't a very good skater. Uh, and I think that, that I kind of had like, you know, some of that living inside of me at that time of like, even when I was sort of like, you know, able to accomplish what I wanted, I was kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, like, is this really, you know, um, almost like, is this really me doing this or something? Yeah. Like that? I think that extended to like, um, into like artistic concepts or contexts when like, it was almost like. I wanted to start a band with my friends. Yeah. I was kind of doing a lot of convincing at the time. Like, let's do this thing. You know, it'll be fun, Uh, which is, you know, a good place to start from. Obviously, like you want to you want to do it because it's fun. Yeah. Um, But like then the thing was that no one wanted to sing (laughs) and I didn't either. Uh, And to the to the point where like when i was younger um like i have like very early memories of like being in like church on sunday mm-hmm. as like a 5 year old 6 year old and not even like singing the hymn like everyone would stand to sing hymns and i would literally like stand like, silently <laughs> and like i would refuse to sing so it was like a pretty big step but then it was this kind of thing where it was like all right you want to like show people you know like you want to show people your your work even mm-hmm. you know just like whatever 10th grade rock band that you're doing in your buddy's basement and i remember like me and my friends booked this gig at a coffee shop like around the corner from my parents house or whatever where we're gonna like play our set that we had yeah and it was like this thing where i was simultaneously like so stoked to even like have a gig at the age of like 15 yeah and then also like we literally like didn't invite anybody because it was like you know like you have those nerves and all the rest of it and you're like oh like it's not gonna be good enough and then i remember like when we were gonna play it was literally like my parents and like our one friend and this was probably a place that could hold like 40 people and there's like, sure. three people in there yeah and it was just this like tug of war in my mind of like okay like if there were more people here would it be worse or better because I, either way thinking that it's not going to be good you know what i mean and it's mm-hmm. like, it's it's uh, yeah so those are probably some early con contexts of um yeah of early feeling early examples of yeah. my yeah imposter syndrome the early stages of of starting out i guess really in anything but like from from my perspective and yours like music for instance it's that weird thing that there is that moment of excitement like the first time you're like I don't know about you. The first time I had a set, I'm like, I have a set list. <laughs> this is cool. All right. And then you get the set list together and you go to the, you go to the, uh, there was a place called Beam Me Up Scotty's. It was a bar that did an open mic on like Sundays or something like that. And I went there and did my first thing on my own. And I just started learning how to play guitar. I could sing, like I was already in a band or two, 
and I couldn't play guitar very well. I couldn't play drums very well. I couldn't play bass. It was too big for me. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I can, I'll sing whatever. And I went and did this, this set by myself and it was awful. Botched it. So like gave up halfway through the first song. Cause I forgot the lyrics gave up halfway through the second song. Cause I forgot the chords. And the dumb thing is, is that the chords were the same the whole way through. <laughs> like I was so panicked and so nervous about it. And uh, it's just that those first times of being in that that band are are riddled with that weird sensation of I don't want anybody to see this yet. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like, like, I guess, like, specifically to like a performance, Mm -hmm. you know, like I recorded a lot of stuff and didn't show it to anybody, but I didn't have to. Whereas like a performance is like a public thing. So you're trying to like preserve the privacy of like a inherently public thing is just like so um paradoxical <laughs> yeah it, it, it's that <laughs> funny thing because i remember when it it finally came time to like show people these things and i was like okay you know what i think i think i'm ready to show people the music i've been creating and <laughs> i started showing a couple friends and a couple friends were like huh neat and that was about it and then i show my family and they're like oh yeah well good try and that's all it was and i'm like oh no (laughs) this is this is and little did i realize that's art like that's part of the process of just like oh this didn't go as well as i wanted it to let's try again whatever else and i know that's some of the first moments i kind of felt like this oh i can't do this yeah yeah it's like trying to get over that hump or whatever and like you know, even like it's so funny the circumstances out of which that feeling um can sort of plant that seed and then yeah. this, like, seed of doubt that'll grow into that big tree. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I remember like uh I haven't thought about this in a long time, but I remember making a demo of a song when I was like sixteen or something and trying to basically like record so I don't know, like, if people like will remember this, but back in the day, on like a old school MacBook, like a 2010 or 2009 mm-hmm. MacBook, there was actually much like the headphone jack. There was a microphone input jack that was like a the same like um, diameter as yes. the as the headphone jack. And so, me and my friends like rented a mixer from long and mcquade which is like not that's not what you do like you get an interface like we literally just like (laughs) caught like the wrong thing and then and then plugged it in with like an auxiliary cable into that microphone jack and we're Mm -hmm. running like four channels of drum audio so like snare drum kick drum and two overheads through this mixer and into the computer and we were like why does it sound like garbage and all this stuff and then it's like okay not only were we using the wrong things but like the wrong you know specifications yeah. but then when my buddy's guitar teacher came over to like inspect the situation he informed us that we hadn't turned on phantom power for our two <laughs> overheads and that was like a week after like fiddling with this audio trying to like frankenstein it together and for the like uh the listeners that don't know what phantom power is it's essentially like you know the microphone that you see here for example in front of my face like you don't just plug it in and then it makes sound you have to like 
push a button that delivers mm-hmm. extra volts through the cable to power the microphone. So there are some microphones that don't need phantom power and some that do. The ones that we were using to record the drums, half of the mics <laughs> that we were using needed this thing that we hadn't even turned on. And so it's funny, but and I'm thinking like, God, like we suck. Like you think you sound good when you're playing and then you record it and it sounds awful. And it's like, all right, yeah, sure. Like we weren't great engineers. So like what we rented from the music store was like the incorrect stuff. Sure. Also like we literally like weren't even actually recording what we thought we were. So like that, which we were basing our um, self-deprecation on was like uh, not the whole picture, I guess. You know what I mean? So uh, that's one thing that I, I'm starting to realize more and more and more. I knew this as a teacher. The odd thing is I knew this as a teacher and I've explained it to students a ton of times. But I only started to see this towards myself as well. That in this industry, there's the concept of fake it till you make it. There's just in any industry, I guess, really. That's just fake it till you make it. And the thing I'm discovering and learning is that It's not fake it till you make it. When you're faking it, what you're doing is you're just trying to figure shit out. Like you're trying to figure out, oh, this is the wrong equipment. Oh, I got to push the button, turn the microphone on. So you're not faking it. You're learning. So the concept is actually learn it till you make it, not fake it, because that's what all of us are doing. (laughs) Yeah. Like try until you succeed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's yeah. yeah, No, totally. I, I think like, you know, it's obviously not an original thought of mine, uh, but it's like, you know, you like you learn from your mistakes, like just factually, it's true. Yeah. Or, or, or like um, obs- we should make a practice of observing our mistakes in a way that we can learn from them, you know, like um, to think critically on ourselves, not in a way to slight our efforts, but in mm-hmm. fact, augment them. And I guess this is like sort of like for a, a wider idea in in our lives, um, but it so closely ties into um, to performing music. Is this like this thing uh, that's like, you know, a lot of the time um, we're just not in control mm-hmm. of like so much like, you know, like we're just not like so much is left up to other people. Um, or just circumstances of the universe. Like yeah. you could be playing a song and break a guitar string and it's like, well, that's not your fault, but you got to deal with it. And so it's like, because we're in control of such a fraction of our experience, it's not so much about like what we do that matters. It's like how we react to what has happened. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and I guess that kind of just for me ties into um the idea of learning from your mistakes in a way that's like constructive, you know what I mean? Cause it's like, even sometimes something might go wrong or might not sound good. And it's like, you know, um, like maybe you, you're not singing great because you didn't get enough sleep. Sure. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, all right. So like, what are you going to do? Like, you're like, you're not a bad singer. It's just like your voice isn't where it's at. It should be at. So it's like stuff like that. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I remember one time I was like, hanging out with some friends and we went on this like long walk in the winter Mm -hmm. um, and came inside and then someone asked me to like sing uh like we were were, and and, yeah and like i sang a song and i just like bricked it like i sounded like so bad and then i like sang another and i sounded fine and i could have like been discouraged and like put down my guitar and like whatever yeah and been like oh i guess i 
suck, you know, <laughs> or I was like, okay, well, let's like, you know, like now that I'm like literally warmed up and musically warmed up, let's try another one. Oh, that's, a, that's a huge thing that I don't think a lot of people realize about singing. Like there is a process of warming up. Your voice is an intricate set of muscles and other things that you have to warm up and stretch out. And I think people kind of look at the voice as like the guitar, the drums, the bass. Like when you pull it out of the case, it might require a little tuning, but for the most part, it's going to function. Your voice is not at all like that whatsoever. And like you said, sleep, diet, could have acid reflux, could just be stressed. It could be any anything at all. Slightly cold, kind of dry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With the voice, there's so much... Not that there's not strengthening and conditioning with fingers and, and the arms and stuff for drums. There is, but it feels, I don't know, maybe not to you or to anybody else, but to me, it feels far more apparent that when those things aren't together for your voice, it seems so much more obvious to the person who's not a musician. The person who is, you're playing some chords and you may not be doing as great, but the person who's not a musician couldn't care. If this ain't good, everybody knows. <laughs> I agree. And I think like, it's such a funny, like my, my opinion on that matter is, and I've had to tell myself this because, you know, like obviously like, you've observed my journey as a vocalist and for people who like don't know or whatever, like Matt is like a longtime musical mentor of mine um, <laughs> for like, for my voice. And, and, and it's like, um, if you play a wrong note on a piano, you induced the sound, but it didn't come from you. Mm -hmm. You activated it, but from an object. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, I think like a lot of the insecurity, at least that I have, and also the judgment that I observe in people about singing and stuff like that is that, you know, like, uh, yeah it's like you are the thing yeah <laughs> yeah that's like like that's that's freaky you know what i mean like it's not it's not easily like it's not easily overcome or like um it's a tough thing to reconcile with yeah yeah I, I think that ends up being the vulnerability of of the voice that's exactly it. like you are the instrument so if you hit a wrong note or whatever else, you'd be like, oops, the piano played the wrong note, even though I'm like, I'm activating whatever. If it's you, oh no. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people really beat themselves up or they'll come back with feedback too, where they're like, um, a guitar player, for instance, oh, I went and sat with a bunch of friends. We played in a circle, just played some music together. And themselves they are like, oh, I was hitting wrong notes all the time. Nobody said anything. But I'll get students who go in those same kind of circles and they're singing. And people will be like, oh, you know, you know, kind of pitchy work on that thing or your voice is cracking here, whatever else. And they take it so much harder in that sense because that vulnerability of putting yourself out there as you as the instrument. And then when it doesn't go well, you feel like shit about it. And I, I honestly think like the concept of not doing well, I almost want to take like artists and musicians and put them in like an artist showcase but none of them have practiced at all <laughs> like maybe none of them have even been in this band together and just play and just everyone be okay which is sounding 
awful in in my experience growing up and you probably have the same because we're relatively within the same realm uh in punk rock music it kind of doesn't matter if you're perfect it's just the enjoyment of the experience and i've had shows where i remember one show i was so sick and i the bass player looked at me and he's like what are you gonna do for this one i'm like i don't know i'll figure i was like i don't know i'll figure it out when i get up there and i get up onto the stage and i just take the mic i'm like so i'm really sick i'm so sorry let's fuck shit up and i threw the mic in the audience and i just jumped on them and for the whole show we just all sang in the audience together it could have been a disaster but in the end, you're just like, fuck it. I have no control over this. As you've talked about, you only have control about so much. Let's just make an experience out of this. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of like when I had a show when I was really sick and I was like wigging out like <laughs> what's going to happen because the show was like the first I was like 18. I, I think like a couple of the people in my band were 19 mm-hmm. and like we uh we're gonna play a show in ottawa and we're from toronto and this was like a big deal you know what i mean like we had one show our first tour yeah exactly like literally yeah like we we like we like basically like presented it as such we're like we're hitting the road for one show (laughs) we're gonna drive like 10 hours round trip for one like 30 minute set which isn't like that uncommon like generally speaking i guess in canada but just like the notion of doing it in this context because i came down with like the craziest chest infection and like could not speak and like it was weird because i actually didn't have any other symptoms except for like this insane mass of like phlegm in my lungs Mm -hmm. Like, like i didn't have a fever my throat didn't even really hurt it was just like just like basically like paralyzed though was like it was like i couldn't really like and so like the whole day we're like driving there like our bass players like mom's chevy impala chair <laughs> back line like we couldn't even fit like that drums in our vehicle and like we're stopping at like every on route along the way on the like 401 and the highway whatever when you start turning north there and all that and we're literally going up to the i brought like a big bag of salt and we're <laughs> to like the tim hortons and like my buddy is like speaking on my behalf he's like so my friend here is really sick and he's a singer and we're wondering if he could just fill this mug with hot water so we can gargle with salt and i was just like ripping these like salt water gargles like all day <laughs> and then i got on stage and i like sounded like tom waits like it was like insane like it was like just so dumb <laughs> Like in retrospect, like nowadays, like all right, like sure, like we'll do the show in three months from now, like reschedule it. But at the time, yeah. we're like, no, like we have to do this thing. Like if we don't do this thing, we're gonna fail. Like we're gonna get blacklisted from like we're literally playing in like a panini shop. <laughs> like, like, what? like what are you so worried about? Like, oh my god, it's so oh, it, that's a huge funny thing about music is that as you race through the ranks of of success or making it i guess in a sense it always feels like the stakes are the same every single time like if you're gonna play wembley and have to cancel that that's not great but when you're starting out and you have to cancel at frank's coffee shop and there's gonna be three people there you still think you're like i'll never play at frank's ever again in nova scotia Yeah, yeah yeah exactly can you think of a time recently where you have felt this kind of kick in? Yeah, <laughs> as yeah, he yeah, lights totally. up. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. No, well, I was reflecting on this because I think it's just kind of like this weird thing is like, um, so like a lot of the like time, I I split my time both like creatively and professionally and in the marriage of those things in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. So like, um, I work like in arts admin doing like artist management for people and like grant writing and stuff like that. And then I also like work as an instrumentalist in the studio space that I am now with like some people who like I make music with. And then like, I also play in two bands, mm-hmm. like guitar and all the people that I do those things with, um, they have varying degrees of success all with great or rather i should say varying degrees of recognition across Mm -hmm. the the industry all with great degrees of success yeah Um, like all with like anywhere from one of these things to all of them like selling out like you know noteworthy venues or having strong streaming audiences online or a big social media following or um like good merchandise sales radio play so like everyone that i like work with for their music like me giving myself my contribution to their their project mm-hmm. they have these things and i write my own music and those people tell me that they really like my music and that if i were to put my sort of like self into my music like they put themselves into theirs that i could you know do this that the next thing and have all whatever yeah and then there's still this thing living inside of me where I'm like, no, no, no. Like, you don't understand. Like, you <laughs> might think it's good, but it's actually not. You know what I mean? And it's like this thing, like, truly where, like, I just don't have the same fire in me to create something that is, like, my own personal story in song. Mm-hmm than I do to support someone else's. And I, I, you know, I think that that's also part in part because like, I like, I understand what my strengths are and like what a strength of mine is helping people as opposed to, you know, um, pushing myself on an individual level. Um, and I get a lot of joy from that too. So I'm not trying to say that I'm like stuck in some cycle where I'm like, Oh, like, if only I could ever have the confidence that my peers do or something like that. But it's like interesting how like, you know, my uh, like friends and like peers and stuff and people who I'm adjacent to in the community and in the industry and whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. like they all have this thing where they're like, yeah, dude, like I like, I love that song or like I'll send them like a SoundCloud link of something that's like unreleased. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, I listen to that every day. <laughs> and these are the very people that, like, I look up to and and throw my weight behind and, like, spend time with because, like, I'm so embedded in their efforts. So it's an interesting reality, I think, for me, yeah, where it's, like, it's definitely a, a present thing with me right now, especially because I'm working on an album right now, mm. my first, like, full-length album. And I've been writing songs for, like, over 10 years, like, since I was a kid. Um, but I've never like made like an LP. And I think this is sort of me like putting my foot down and being like, okay, like I'm making a record that's going to be like 10 songs. And even if it is like, you know, whatever, like, I don't know what the reception is going to be like, because I don't know what the infrastructure is going to be like yet. Cause the, the work's not done. 
Like yeah. I've only recorded like half the songs, but it's like this idea of like trying to almost get over that hump to be like, yes, I um do uh want to like push my work. You know, do you I mean? think when they when they talk about artists kind of having you either you either have it or you don't sort of thing i i don't believe that it's that it's technique because i think that's where it gets it gets lumped into quite a bit like oh this person is technically sound they're so good they just have it and these other people don't have it i don't think that's the case i think what can be the case is that where people are really good at taking their stuff and pushing it. And they're very good at that. Maybe they understand marketing or whatever the case is, but they're very good at putting themselves out there. And there's the people like yourself, myself, where that support side is more where we, where our thing is. And sometimes that gets lumped into the, you didn't have what it takes kind of thing. And I think, I don't think that's the case. Like this requires, as much effort at times and, and, and mental effort and uh, uh, so many things to be the support for these people. And it brings us just as much joy where some people will kind of look at that and be like, Oh, you're, you're sitting in, on the back line or you're, you're sitting in the shadows kind of thing. And I, I don't feel like that's the case uh, for myself either. Yeah. You know, okay. Uh, that I'm, I have a thought there. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna hold my thought just to ask you a quick question. Shoot, because I'm now. This is another example of what imposter syndrome is uh, is is present with me because I realized that I actually might not have my audio routed correctly. So I got to ask you, am I coming through clearly for you? Because I realized that I'm getting playback from this, mm. but my original sound and Zoom is not on. And <laughs> no, I, I, you're hearing me through my computer's mic. I think is it I'm cool hearing or? you. I'm hearing you safe. I'm hearing you good. All right, say cool. Um. Okay, to get back to what I was going to say. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think it, that that's a matter of, like, checking your ego a little bit. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like, it's, it's this thing, like, I, I had the weirdest interaction with uh, someone who, like, or actually, no, sorry. I heard the weirdest interaction with someone who was speaking to one of my bandmates. Where basically, like, so I play my buddy's band. Mm -hmm. It's, like, his thing. Like, he records all the music. He writes all the music. It's his thing thing it's under his name it's like like you know that's yeah. great like yeah. i'm i'm a session player in the live project yeah and uh someone like asked our bass player one time like does it ever bother you that he says my song instead of like our song and it's like well like it is his <laughs> it's like it's almost like people are like rejecting like oh you should be pissed because uh -huh. like, because like he's taking and it's like yo like like it's literally his name he wrote yeah. everything and we are stoked to help him put it together on the stage and yeah. like i find that fulfilling because i like his music so i live vicariously through it it's like this thing like people people have all these impressions like yes and it's like ah oh, god like like i just think like you know like if I were to meet someone like at I, I like I met someone at a party and they were like heard that I was a musician and they're like do you mind if I ask like like how much money do you make <laughs> and I literally was like I was like well I think that's interesting because if I told you that I had a different profession you probably wouldn't have asked me that and they were yeah. like 
And then, and then I was like, so like, what do you do? Like, how much money do you make? And they were like, I'm a plumber and I like, whatever. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, a, it's just this thing where it's like, so I don't know. It's just everyone, everyone has something to say about it because yes. they, they consume it actively. Like, you know, um, we all use electricity, but we take it for granted and we don't like we don't think of turning on the lights like we do think of turning on the stereo so like everyone everyone has like some some piece to say about it and it's like just um so yeah it's just it's just funny is in terms of the role of like helping somebody or whatever it's like if you're okay with it then it is okay like because it's fulfilling yeah exactly exactly it really is and it's like um I know I've had this conversation with with my bandmates before for both the projects that I play in and others that I have since left as well. But it's like I spent so much time like playing in bands that I was the singer of that became defunct because the whole time I was trying to convince people to help me when Mm -hmm. I realized that if I found people who I found inspiring, I could help them without them needing to convince me. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? And it's like, uh, you know, like every uh, Michael Jordan needs a Scotty Pippen. You know? <laughs> uh, I hope this is a safe space or a sports reference, but for those I, it, of you who I may have alienated, basically, you know, uh, we all need a little help from time to time, I guess. I'm, I'm sure both of those two make great cricket players. Uh, so, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just these voices in my head. Tell me I am better off giving up or giving in instead of letting people down And now these forces pull me in And make me stay in bed instead of getting up and convincing me that the morning's not my friend And I know that I'm not the only one who's got voices that they try